Wellness Force Radio. Feelings are essential, but they can't dictate our actions. We literally infect each other with our emotions. We came here for a special purpose. Let the purpose unveil itself. Knowing without doing is the same thing as not knowing. They're not just trackers. I'm going to wear this and it's going to help me do the right thing. Wellness Force Radio, episode 151 with Kristen Ulmer. There's a big push in the country right now for gratitude practice, forgiveness, joy practice, love, right? Noble, but we're like trying to just forget about this whole other part of the human experience, which is life is scary. You know, however we treat fear is how we treat ourselves. If we're embarrassed by our fear, we're embarrassed by ourselves. If we abuse fear and declare war against fear, we abuse and declare war against our very selves because it's a relationship that you have with yourself at your core. So I actually say your relationship with fear is the most important relationship of your life. What's up, my friend? It's your host, Josh Trent, and welcome back to another episode for your weekly access to global experts in all things wellness as we discover the physical and emotional intelligence we need to live life well. In this podcast, we're talking with thought leader, master facilitator, the author of The Art of Fear and Fear Specialist who radically challenges existing norms around the subject of this deeply misunderstood emotion, Kristen Ulmer. This podcast, it's our very last Spartan Race show, featured, recorded live at Lake Tahoe this year at the World Championships, where I got to meet Kristen and learn how we can all use fear to our advantage. But once we become friends with it, you're like, what? This sounds kind of crazy. How do you become friends with your fear? Well, by the end of this episode, whatever you're experiencing in life, whether it's fear around relationships, career, health, or anything else you could imagine, this episode will give you some amazing gems to take action on in the new year or literally today. And speaking of the new year, now, not tomorrow, is the perfect time literally today to take proactive care, really an act of self-love for you because you show up for everyone else. So now you deserve it. And it starts with the food that you eat. These micronutrients that are missing so much from our normal food supply today, we can get those on the fly from our show sponsor, Organifi. And the green juice powder, which I love because as you've heard on previous shows, my carpet simply loves to attract green juice. (laughs) And honestly, I'm just really overusing my Jacqueline juicer and cleaning it for 10 minutes every day. So do this. Head over to shoporganifi.com, enter code wellnessforce to get 20% off. That's 10 times two, 20% off the entire website. Just enter code wellnessforce at checkout over at shoporganifi.com. Now, coming up in just a few seconds, we're learning from Kristen how her own experience with PTSD, adrenal fatigue, And difficult injuries as a professional athlete led her to heal her relationship with fear, why she repressed, and why we all can fall into this trap of repressing our feelings and fears for so long, how she did a 180 to learn what she calls honoring our emotions of fear and anxiety so that she could radically step into a whole new level of personal power. You know, it's been said that emotional intelligence is our ability to feel our emotions in an honest way. And I'm super stoked to bring you this podcast so we can all get better together at doing that. Let's drop in with Kristen Ulmer. I'd like to thank the Spartan Race for this podcast. We're part of the 2017 Spartan Race World Championships. I'm sitting here with Kristen Ulmer. Kristen is the author of an incredible book that we're going to dive into, but I love this. I want to start our conversation with this hashtag shift into fear. Tell us about that hashtag. Most people that have an opinion about fear or is, are maybe gurus or therapists, doctors, scientists are helping people 
try to ignore fear, get away from fear, fight fear. You know the language, conquer, overcome, put it out of your mind, all that. And I do the exact opposite because you'd think that with all these modalities and methods that we've come up with, uh, therapies and medications, that we'd all be having less fear and anxiety, but it's only getting worse and worse. And so I'm saying that the, the treatment for dealing with excessive fear and anxiety is actually exacerbating the underlying causes that we're pushing down our fear and it's kind of going covert in our system and, and it's undealt with and it's now kind of, it's like an unwinnable war being carried out in our unconscious mind. Where if we do something completely counterintuitive, the radical opposite of everything we've been taught about fear on what to do about fear and we actually turn towards it and shift into the fear or you know in sports of course I I like to merge with fear or uh, become intimate with fear and use it as a tool for creativity and then also we then don't have the problems that come from repressing fear and locking in the basement in that unwinnable war. You're not a stranger to fear. You retired in 2003 to teach. You're an extreme skier and now you teach about fear. You facilitate groups and individuals and this book, The Art of Fear, Why Conquering Fear Won't Work and What to Do Instead. I love this because the only way I've accomplished anything in life is kind of leaning into my fear. On the show, we've talked about David Dita. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work, but it's how do we lean into our edge of fear, but not beyond it. How can you give guidance to people based on your work and your groups that you facilitate to lean into the fear, but not so far beyond it that they're just being reckless? It's so refreshing to meet somebody that's leaning into their fear or that's embracing their fear or becoming intimate with their fear, like I just mentioned. And I find that those wind up being the best athletes. And it's very, very new that people are having that kind of language around it is fear. New. Yeah. Yeah. So to answer your question, though, I, you know, the optimal performance, like let's say, picture a circle and that's your comfort zone and you step out of your comfort zone. Anytime you do something that's unfamiliar, you're going to feel fear. But if you step too far out of your comfort zone, I say the optimal number is 4%. You want to step 4% out of your comfort zone. Why four? Um, because five's too much and three's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It okay. just kind of four seems like, like the magical number. Like right. if you're skiing, you know, you just go 4% faster. How about? Yeah. And then you just kind of feel that little tickle, that excitement. You know, then you do that enough and that becomes your new comfort zone. And then you, that's how you expand who you are as an athlete. But if you do too much, then it, you know, you kind of freak out a little bit. Yeah. This edge of should I do it? Should I not do it? I'm curious if you explore in your workshops and in your work, this concept of decision fatigue. I think a lot of people, they want to do something they're afraid of, but there's so much of a battle that goes on of if they should do it or not, that they become defeated before they actually could go through that fear. Have you ever explored this decision fatigue, this paralysis by analysis? Well, most people, when it comes to fear, fear is a sensation of discomfort in your body. And we're taught to intellectualize it. Like emotional intelligence is considered our ability to intellectually understand our emotions and control them, which for me, that shouldn't be emotional intelligence. I agree. Yeah. Emotional intelligence should be our ability to feel our emotions in an honest way and have it help us come alive. And so if we start thinking about our fear, we're not going to get off the couch. But if we're willing to feel our fear, we're going to go out and actually anytime you want to do something to expand who you are, um, learn and grow, there has to be fear involved, you know? So that right there is motivation enough for me to go and, you know, anytime I want to learn and grow, um, or if I'm bored, I just go out and do something that scares me. And it doesn't have to mean like climbing the Eiffel Tower with a yeah. couple of suction cups, like, you know, just, <laughs> just having a difficult conversation with somebody that you've been avoiding or of course, entering a Spartan race and, sure, you know, sure. 
So I'm so curious and fascinated with you because you're so well put together. I wish we were recording this on video so people are going to hear your voice, but you're very well put together. You have excellent posture. You're an athlete before. Like, why step into this whole teaching sphere of fear? Like, why do this now? Well, actually, not now, since 2003. Well, when I was an athlete, I was the best woman big mountain extreme skier in the world for 12 years. And I was sponsored by Red Bull and I was promoting the sexy wild side of the sport and I was cultivating hedonism and the gratification of my massive ego for a really long time. That's very honest. (laughs) (laughs) And so in many ways I wanted, well, first of all, I was doing some things right by fear and some things wrong by fear. And so I got into studying with a Zen master and learning more about fear and um, because I I was burnt out by the end of my career. I had PTSD. I had adrenal fatigue. I had multiple injuries that didn't make any sense, that wouldn't heal. And so I wanted to heal my own relationship with fear. I knew that that was what the problem was, that I'd been repressing it for so long. And then when I I did these mindset ski camps, I still do them today. Then clients started hiring me. And next thing you know, I'm helping people with real world problems like anxiety disorders, panic attacks, depression, um, PTSD. It's kind of like a radical pendulum swing from my youth where I'm kind of like making it up to the universe for being such a hedonist for so long, where I'm now just of service to other people. You grew up in New Hampshire. How do you think looking back that that formulated you to be an athlete and then cross the threshold from athletics to coaching? I mean, that's a different way in the, in the emotional intelligence aspect. I could see it would be an easy crossover if you were coaching athletes, right? But you're not coaching just athletes. You're coaching everyday people that want to cross their thresholds of fear. Looking back, I mean, what did you learn when you were young in New Hampshire uh, to understand this? Well, I unfortunately learned what everybody else learns from uh, well-meaning gurus, teachers, parents, you know, the first time you feel afraid and mom says there's nothing to be afraid of, you know, I call it fear shaming. It's like suggesting that fear doesn't exist or that you should be embarrassed about it or it's just in your head or that it's a sign of personal weakness and that you've got to just push that away. And so I started repressing fear right around age six. I made actually a conscious decision to just not be afraid. And uh, so that set me on course to ski the way I wanted to, but it also set me on course because you can get away with repressing fear at the level that I was doing it for about 10 years. It works, you know, all these tips and techniques on putting fear out of your mind or controlling it or conquering it work, but it's not without consequences. And so basically my upbringing in New Hampshire taught me what not to do. And I had to go into the depths of hell and, and all the consequences of repressing fear to get come out the other side and uh, learn what I've learned now. I want to go back to the depths of hell with you, but not right now. We'll go back there in a second. Okay. Um, the way that you described like stepping into this fear and how do we not become this victim? How do we become the victor? What do you think people's definition is right now of leaning into fear in this current modern world? Like what is that true definition? It's kind of, I almost want to say bastardized in a way that people, they, they use memes about fear and there's all this dialogue about fear, but what is your definition? I mean, an expert in really teaching people about how to step into the fear, like how would you describe fear in our modern world because we're running on old software. Computers get reprogrammed all the time. We're like computers. We don't get reprogrammed. We're stuck in such habitual patterns on 
how to deal with fear. I mean, I'll work with somebody for three hours sometimes. And, you know, the, the subtitle of my book is Why Conquering Fear Won't Work and What to Do Instead. And I'll work with them and I'll get them to lean into their fear and we'll have this fully embodied, gorgeous experience. And then they'll say goodbye and they'll say, okay, I'll be sure to conquer fear from now on. I'm like, what? <laughs> Spent three hours on this. Like, yeah. we are so habitually patterned and conditioned to not deal with our fear. And it is crushing us. Like we were saying, we're just starting to now realize that that is actually the cause of depression. That's the cause of panic attacks, anxiety disorders. The reason why we're, you know, all so medicated, we're trying to put fear, you know, 10 feet below the basement that we've stuck it in. And, and so for me, what it means, right now we're saying words like we want to face fear. When I hear that, I, it's like, okay, we want to face fear and punch it in the face. Now, that's not what we're going for, right? That's just more of the same. And then I hear people say, okay, I want to accept fear. It's a normal and natural part of the human experience. I just have to accept it. And now I'm going to punch it in the face. <laughs> so that's a step in the right direction. But I like to personify fear. Let's call fear like a spouse or a roommate or a child. So if you ignore it, that's bad, right? Yeah. If you um, face it and punch it in the face, that's bad. If you accept that, okay, I just have not stuck living with this roommate, you know, that's not optimal either. You want to forge the best possible relationship with this roommate, this child or the spouse that you possibly can. And what that looks like is you need to honor it. And honoring it is like, just like anybody on the planet, it just wants to be heard and seen and listened to and considered. Like, you know, we're spending so much time thinking about fear. What if we were to feel our fear? Emotions are meant to be dealt with emotionally, not intellectually. And how you deal with an emotion like fear emotionally is you learn how to feel it. And then, you know, recognize the percolation of it. And like, how is this here to help me come alive? Am I fighting a war that's unwinnable? Getting, being curious about that relationship. This is all a roundabout way of saying, you know, if you were a, a parent, how would a good parent parent fear? If you were a lover, how would you, you know, treat fear in the best possible way, like your spouse, and so that together you can become unstoppable. I love that. There was about 15 questions I wanted to ask you as you're talking, but I'll ask you the one that came up for me first, and it was around permission, giving oneself permission to just feel something. That is a skill set of its own. How would you say that we can give that to ourselves? I mean, it's easy to say, just give yourself permission, but I think there's more nuances there. How do men and women give themselves permission to feel the body energetics and everything that you were discussing, where you're actually allowing yourself to feel what it is to be afraid, to feel the fear? We have no problem feeling joy, but when it comes to an uncomfortable sensation like sadness, fear, anger, especially one that is not allowed out in public, like nobody would ever admit that they're afraid on Wall Street, but they may say I'm pickled in anxiety. It's the same thing. A it's lot of just, them are petrified. Yeah. It's just a different word for fear, anxiety, right? We hide our sadness. Um, we learn to be stoic. So I think in particular, you're referring to the unpleasant emotions. Um, humans have a long history of avoiding feeling anything unpleasant. And some people will devote their entire lives to not feeling the discomfort of fear, anger, or sadness. And so there's a big push in the country right now for gratitude practice, forgiveness, joy practice, love, right? Noble, but we're like trying to just forget about this whole other part of the human experience, which is life is scary. And so, you know, what you need to do in order to feel these emotions is you have to be willing to feel the discomfort. Like I have a saying, you don't, don't do things 
despite the fear, do things because the fear too. It's like the things that make you come most alive are the scary experiences. The things that make you come most alive are sadness or the anger that writes a wrong. But because we push these emotions down, we're only aware of their versions that come out from the basement like undealt with sadness comes out as depression. Undealt with fear comes out as depression. Undealt with fear comes out as rage. Um, undealt with anger comes out as blame. Like we have to start having an honest relationship with these emotions. And how you do that is you find the feeling in your body and you spend some time feeling it. And here's the key without trying to get rid of it. Let's pause on that for a second, because that was probably the most powerful point we've talked about on the whole show. It's understanding that just because we feel it doesn't mean we need to do something to get rid of it. Is that what I'm hearing from you? Yeah, sure. So we have these emotions, we have these feelings, but we actually aren't these emotions and these feelings. We're a physical body, but we're also a spirit inside of there having this physical experience. So whether we can get into the kind of weeds or woo-woo talk, I don't know if you go there ever, but there are people that believe that we possibly could be in a simulation. Now, whether you believe that's true or not, there are certain points in our lives that we go through where we understand, I'm not these feelings, these fear feelings, these scared feelings, they don't serve me anymore. They don't serve what I'm trying to create now, in the world. hold on. Fear is here to serve you. Absolutely. It has your best intention in mind. Like fears help you come alive and be more sharp and focused and bring you into the present moment. It's like an incredible energy resource. Like you plus fear equals super you. You know, we get that wrong. But the problem is, is we repress it and then it becomes our repressor. You know, we try to control it. It winds up controlling us. Fear is not the problem. It's the way that we deal with fear or the way that we push it away that has become the problem. We're fighting or fleeing the fear now. Like fear is the bigger problem than the situation. Like take anger. Anger is here to right a wrong, you know, to, to make you stand up for yourself. But because nobody's dealing with their anger in an honest way, we're pushing it down in the basement. It's coming out instead as, you know, people getting thrown out the window and holes getting punched yeah. in the walls, right? Yeah. Like we're not even aware of what anger is in its uh, mature, honored form anymore. It's like its holy form if you want to get woo-woo. We're only aware of it, the basement version. And anger, if you want to personify it, like it's not me, I'm not it. But anger is here to help me come alive too. Sadness is the birthplace of human compassion passion and consideration, caring. The, the wisdom of these voices are more and more lost over time the more we are unwilling to deal with them in an honest way. Wow. Gay and Katie Hendricks call this weapons of mass distraction where we have all these things that are numbing that intelligence around what it is to just allow ourselves to feel the fear. What are some key takeaways for people, which by the way, I still want to go back to hell with you. We're going to go back there in a second. Okay. <laughs> but what are some key takeaways for people that are just having trouble crossing that bridge between feeling and allowing and just giving themselves that permission to just really be in the fear and not feel like they have to get rid of it? I mean, is there something or maybe two things or a couple that you could tell them to just open up that door to allowing? How about four steps? Please. You ready? Yes. The first step is if you want to have a fear practice, like people have a gratitude practice, that should be step B. You know, we got to first deal with the unpleasant part of life. Otherwise, it'll be your shadow that'll mess up your life. So step one and how you deal with fear, and we can do it right now. Close your eyes and find the sensation of discomfort in your body. And it may show up as anxiety, stress, nerves, worry. Those are just other names for fear. It may show up as anger. It may show up as sadness. 95% of what we know is modern anger is just nothing more than undealt with fear. So find it in your body. And the first step is you want to be curious about it. Like, where do you feel it? 
Okay, I, I see you pointing right to your solar plexus. Yep. Yeah. I feel it in my chest and in my throat. So be curious where you feel it. You know, you're not in your head. If it's in your head, that's just because your undental fear is hijacking your mind. So fear is a sensation of discomfort in your body. Find that sensation. If you have an injury, like maybe an old broken leg or lower back pain, Notice that you may feel that discomfort of that injury, but uh, there's also probably an emotional component of undealt with emotion that's maybe exacerbating it. So just notice it now and be curious about your relationship with it. Do you hate it? Are you trying to get rid of it? Do you ignore it? Is it just kind of always there, but you just try to breathe it out? Are you like meditating five times a day just to be able to get through the day so that you don't have to deal with this emotion? Like, what is your relationship with that emotion? What is your relationship with that? This is so great. I love this. I feel like I'm getting incredible amounts of value just in this moment because I'm feeling the pressure here is more around my reminder to breathe. It's almost like when you were speaking there, I was breathing with my eyes closed. My eyes are still closed. When I breathe with my eyes closed, there is no pressure. There is no fear. There is no anxiety. There is no tension. But if I tune back into it, and let's say I, I skip breath, it's almost like there's a feeling that says, you must do something. You must be in control. Almost like a, a shift to the sympathetic nervous system. Like That's kind of what I'm feeling in that solar plexus. Like a controlling part of you wants to take three deep breaths to get rid of it, maybe? Is that what you're saying? No, more like don't relax too much. Because if you relax too much, then you might miss out on something or you might not be in control of something. Now, I don't know. I could be going right up to my head. This could be a tactic that I'm using to, to circumvent you right now. Yeah, I, I think that that's probably what is happening. Like you're thinking about your relationship with that feeling and then you're probably thinking about that feeling too. So where we're headed is eventually you're going to be just feeling that feeling. And thinking about feeling that feeling is not what we're going for. And thinking about that feeling is also not what we're going for. So all right now in step one is I want you to just be curious about where that sensation is and what your reaction is to it or your relationship is. You know, subject object, you kind of were touching upon that before. It's like you're you and then there's that sensation. It's not you, but it's a part of you. Right now, you have a relationship with it. What is that relationship? That's step one. Survival. Okay. Does it seem excessive? You know, you're doing a podcast right now. You're trying to live a big life. Like, of course, you're going to feel fear. Does it seem excessive towards the, the risks that you're taking in your life, the goals you have? No. Okay. So for other people, it may seem excessive, like if they're pickled in chronic anxiety, right? So then the, these next three steps will really apply to them. Step two is spend a moment, 15 seconds, just acknowledging that it's perfectly natural and normal to feel the sensation of discomfort. Life is a scary experience. It requires you to be courageous. It requires you to feel uncomfortable. It's part of the deal. It's not a sign of personal weakness or character flaw. And then step three is, and step two, mind you, can be absolutely life-changing for people. So step three is now you just spend some time feeling it. And the key is, back to the point that kind of struck you, is you do this without trying to get rid of it. That's the key. And that's where my work differs from other people. Like we're not doing this exercise to try and limit the fear or get rid of it because of step four is where it kind of gets really fun. So spend some time just feeling it, not thinking about feeling it, but feeling it. And then step four is be curious again about what its message is here 
that maybe you have been ignoring. You know, if you ignore your fear, you're ignoring the message. It's very wise. And oftentimes, if it seems excessive, the message is, hey, you have to start paying attention to me. You can't keep repressing me and, and push me down and declare war on me. You know, the war is the problem, not me. And I'm going to retaliate and I'm going to destroy your life. I will not be denied. I will get your attention any way that it takes. I'll wake you up in the middle of the night if I have to, to run my agenda that you wouldn't deal with in an honest way. So then be curious about what that message is. And the message may be like, hey, you might want to go to the doctor, right? Or you might want to have that difficult conversation that you've been putting off with your wife or something like that, or this job isn't working or, you know, fear is very wise. And, it, and if you tap into the wisdom of it, you're tapping into intuition and instinct. Like I'm a big fan of fear. I'm the PR director for fear. <laughs> I just right? opened Worldwide, my eyes. Right? I just opened my eyes and I just want to thank you for that. I've never done that with a podcast guest. I mean, you know, 200 plus shows, like we have not had a moment like that on wellness force. So thank you so much for holding that space for me there. Mm-hmm. And I'm also feeling that space above my belly button, that solar plexus. I think that anxiety is really just excitement, maybe with a different clothing piece on. Anxiety is really just energy, correct? Mm-hmm. Fear plus breathing equals excitement. Fear is energy and motion. Oh, any emotion is energy and motion. You may know that from Gay and Katie Hendricks. You know, I've talked to thousands of people and I've asked a lot of people this question and I'm going to ask it to you right now. Would you rather feel happy or would you rather feel alive? Alive. Yeah, all but one person has said alive. You know, what's the meaning of life? We're here, we're here to come alive, like feel our emotions. Like it's like we put so much stock and investment into our cognitive intellectual mind. We're actually putting science on the problem of emotions, right? Like we, we should deal with our emotional problems emotionally is what I keep saying. And and how you do that is you, you tap into what I just outlined, these four steps and see how these emotions are here to help you come alive. Like we can do the same exercise with anger. We can do the same exercise with sadness. And here's the thing too, is if you spend some time with these emotions, like back to my analogy of them being children, you know, when you have a whining child, that child just wants your undivided love and attention. You, you give your undivided love and attention to these emotions. Yeah. They calm right down. They run out of things to say. Finally, right? But I don't want to put that word finally. And I shouldn't have said that. That was disrespectful to fear. Interesting. I love how much you respect fear. Now, it's obvious just based on what I've experienced, and I know somebody's listening, they had the permission to do that. So if you didn't do the exercise that we just went through, please pause this, rewind it, go through that exercise again, because I think that Kristen can provide you some clarity as well, just as she did to me here at the Spartan Race with this clarity piece around my tension, which really was, we explored just anxiety, but then below that anxiety was just energy and excitement, energy and excitement about connecting with real people, this feeling alive piece. How do people that have been numbed out feel more alive? What do they need to get rid of or more in touch with? Because we are under onslaught. I mean, this is not 10,000 years ago. Our software, it's designed for that. It's designed for like fight and flight and getting out of the way of a lion, but it's constantly activated by cell phones and computers and responsibilities. We have this kind of constant drip of stress actually that could be associated with fear or not, but I'd love to get your take on that. You know, how do we cut through this numbing down of our society so that we can be in touch with the fear, really? What we've been talking about for the last little bit is very Spartan specific. Like you obviously know more about emotional intelligence than most people. You have a very advanced recognition of emotional intelligence being more than our ability to understand or control our emotions. Like 
this group, these Spartan racers, like they love feeling fear. Like they will, like <laughs> right. we, we went to a very advanced, you know, we went to the end of my book, like, yeah. uh, well, not the complete end, probably the third part of the book already. And so I want to just go back to the beginning of my book, which is there's so many people that are probably listening like, uh-uh, you know, fear is horrible and it's ruining my life and I hate it. And they're so invested in conquering or trying to overcome it, declaring war on it. And they can't even fathom what we've been talking about. Like fear is an asset and ally. No way. It's a hindrance. It's something that holds me back. No way. I'm not willing to believe it. What's the definition of insanity? Same thing, expecting a different result. Right. So a lot of these people that have these real world problems like panic attacks and chronic anxiety disorders and depression, you know, they're very, very invested in fighting this war with fear and their life sometimes even depends on it, especially if they're depressed or even suicidal. It's like they put a dollar a day into a jar, into that habitual pattern of fighting fear. And, you know, somebody that's 40 now has, you know, a lot of money amassed. And so getting them to realign with fear in a different way and turn towards it instead of against it, turn towards their discomfort is like asking them to throw away that jar of money. And they're just like, no way I've managed to control this beast. I've, you know, I've got it like medicated 10 feet below the basement in cement at this point, And I'm not going to give up that progress. And I'm not going to admit that I've been doing it wrong for 40 years, you know, that that I'm the one that picked the fight with fear. And they also don't trust fear because the only version of fear that they know is the version of fear that's coming up and, and terrorizing their life from the basement. Is it really pride then? What I heard from you is that there's some pride involved. Is pride one of the aggregators of fear? People mm-hmm. that don't want to change if they could just be in touch with their fear, but if they had to drop into their fear, that means they'd have to actually look at this pride component. How much does pride play a role in this fear intelligence? Well, there's pride. It's like, you know, I've, I've made some progress. I'm feeling better. There's also a payoff for pushing fear in the basement. You don't have to, you know, deal with the unpleasant side of life. You maybe even come across as fearless or maybe you're just depressed. You don't have to work. Dad supports you. Like there's always some sort of payoff too. And so getting people to realign with fear in a different way, the whole second part of my book actually just talks about what's going to prevent people from having a more honest, considerate relationship with fear. And so what I do when I work with people, and this might be a good segue into this, is I actually ask to speak. I use voice dialogue. I call it shift the game of 10,000 wisdoms. I actually speak to their voice of fear. And I say, you know, hey, fear, how's it going? And then fear says, well, not so good. And I'm like, well, how does this person, let's say her name's Sarah, how does Sarah feel about you? She hates me. You know, well, how does that make you feel? More afraid or less afraid? More afraid. Does she lock you in the basement? Yes, she locks me in the basement. And then I'll say, okay, what's it like down there? How do you feel? I feel anxious, angry. You know, I'm down here in the dark with no food, no water, no love, so no sunshine. I'm, I have a self-esteem issue. I don't even know my value as the voice of fear. And, you know, whatever fear feels, that person feels. You know, however we treat fear is how we treat ourselves. If we're embarrassed by our fear, we're embarrassed by ourselves. If we hate fear, we hate ourselves. If we abuse fear and declare war against fear, we abuse and declare war against our very selves. And so I actually say your relationship with fear, and this is a big moment, so really pay attention. Your relationship with fear is the most important relationship of your life because it's the relationship that you have with yourself at your core. 
So when I facilitate people, I try to broker a better relationship. And that's why I speak to their fear. And I just have this different form of consciousness speak on its behalf. Wow, this is so powerful. And there's so many ways we could take this. You're obviously a teacher. Since 2003, you've been on this path. And I feel it in your presence right now. But I want to know what the ethos was. What was the threshold? What was the hell that you described? Because I think you've done an incredible job of allowing people to kind of feel this fear. I know I did. I mean, you definitely tapped me into it. But what was that threshold for you? What was that hell? I was the poster child for what everybody wants to be, which is fearless. I felt fearless. The media called me fearless. I was voted uh, the most fearless woman athlete in North America, beating women in all sports disciplines, base jumping, ice climbing, you name it. And I really did feel fearless. And I was very stoic and, and stiff and rigid in order to be that way. I was very manly. Like I had to hold a lot of tension. You were very in your masculine constantly. Right, right. And like I said, it works great. And I was able to ski great. But the consequences of doing that after about 10 years were severe. What do we know about rigid trees in a heavy wind? They break. I started having more and more injuries. And it wasn't because I was getting older or out of shape or anything. You can get away with it for about 10 years and that's it. I started to hate skiing. Burnout either comes from not enough fear in your life or the repression of fear. Like if you're burnt out on your favorite sport or burnt out on your marriage, burnt out on your business, it's because you're not dealing with fear in an honest way. And all of a sudden we, you know, that's what I was facing. I had adrenal fatigue, completely crashed adrenal system. How did you know you had the adrenal fatigue? There is a lot of controversy around does this disease even exist where somebody's in adrenal fatigue? I would say absolutely. Oh, well, you can test for it. It's not, I don't. Right. Because I had to sleep 10 hours a night just to function. I also had PTSD because I saw a lot of friends die in the mountains. I had a, you know dozens of near-death experiences and saw a lot of people get crippled and, and I hated skiing. I absolutely hated it. How is that possible? I know. It was weird because it, it was, you know, I was... You're so good at something, yet <laughs> a big part of you hates it. Yeah, and it had only been like this magical experience to that point. And so I quit and I'm like, okay, I need to figure out what the heck had gone wrong. And I had no idea that it was because of my repression of fear that is explicitly taught by well-meaning coaches, you know, all that. And so I met a Zen master. I studied with him intently for 15 years. I started Mindset Only Ski Camps because I wanted to figure out what I had learned from my ski career. And I almost immediately realized, oh, it's because I haven't been dealing with my fear. I've been pushing it down. That's the symptoms that I had. For other people, like I said, they have depression, they have panic attacks, whatever. Everybody's different. It could show up as underperforming. When I work with athletes, actually... So far, 100% of the time, if they're underperforming, it's because they're in a repressive relationship with fear. They're in their own personal hell. I mean, you're kind of describing yes. you were doing something that you were so great at, yet mm -hmm. you hated it. I mean, that's really a definition of hell. Yes, it was living hell. And so in order to heal my relationship with fear, I then started working with clients and helped them heal their relationship with fear. And uh, one by one, all my problems resolved. And uh, that's why I finally thought, oh, well, shoot, especially because I used to be called fearless, which was a total That's ruse. so interesting. It was in print. Like, <laughs> right. And, you know, fear was my motivation, a fear yeah. of not being special, fear of not being loved, fear of being invisible. I'll tell you what, you jump off a 70 foot cliff and throw a backflip, people love you and you're not invisible. And so 
look at people that you admire, they're all motivated by some sort of wound or fear at their core. Like fear is such a huge deal in our lives and it's such a huge deal if we, if we repress it. So uh, it turns out that fear was behind my motivation and it was also, and this is interesting, uh, my heroine. Like I loved feeling fear and I repressed it to the extreme. I had like this paradox going on. Why did you love feeling the fear so much? Oh my gosh, I was addicted to it. Yeah, so it was a neurological connection. Yes. Yes. And I think that that's what's going on in these Spartan races is that people love feeling fear. They know that they're on the right path if they're doing something scary. They know that this is going to help them learn and grow. Like, you know, if somebody's just in 98.6 degrees water, they don't learn, they don't feel anything. They don't feel alive. They don't... Numbing. Right. So we actually need to go and purposefully do things that scare us in order to grow and to feel alive. This is why Wim Hof, cold water immersion, Spartan races. I did the 20X for my birthday this year, which was 14 hours of exercise without stopping Navy SEAL style workouts. This is why we see this thrush, at least in my community and in the Wellness Force Radio community. We're interested in this because we know that if we can start to, as you say, shift into fear and get used to what it's like to actually dance and feel this fear, Mm -hmm. how powerful will that be to bleed into our relationships, into our jobs, into the way that we show up with our kids? So what's the takeaway here with actually allowing ourselves to feel the fear? How will that blossom into all these other aspects of our wellness, of our life, um, being so much more connected? I think that going out and doing something that scares you is better than therapy <laughs> because it's the universe. Like you, you, uh, you're looking to expand yourself out of your comfort zone. Like picture that circle again of your comfort zone. You step out of your comfort zone. Every time you feel fear, 4%, like that's the idea, right? Yeah. But every time you step out of your comfort zone, you know, you put a dot outside the circle and then you connect the new dots. Now you've just expanded who you are as a person. And, you know, you do something that's scary and you're also kind of dredging the the bottom of your well of stuff that you're not dealing with. Like it brings to the surface, you know, like when you're just raw and real and suffering and scared and, and you know, worried about injury and all that and, and facing potential frustration, failure, you know, that's when you really, first of all, learn who you really are as a person and that's when you're you're going to find out things about yourself, you know, that you never realized before. And you're you're just gonna have to finally deal with that crap that you usually would avoid. And it's the crap, you know, whatever you won't look at is the key to freedom. It's that crap looking at the unpleasant side of life that is the key to freedom. I have loved our talk so much for so many different reasons. I think we're gonna have to have you back on the show because there are other aspects where our audience would love to do a Q&A with you. Just oh, yeah. understanding this nuanced minefield of what it is to actually, as you say, hashtag shift into fear. I want to thank Joe DeSina, obviously, Spartan Race, for having us here, setting up just such a fun podcast experience. Now, as we close out the show, I would love for you to share with us, what is your greatest edge? What are you leaning into for your own fear now? As someone who lectures on this and teaches groups, like, what's your edge of fear that you're leaning into right now? Well, I'll tell you what, I just published this book three months ago. And it's the scariest thing I've ever done. You know, I'm doing all these interviews and I'm challenging, radically challenging existing norms around fear. Like I'm taking on, you know, the drug companies, the scientists, the psychologists, the just pre-existing norms about how to deal with fear and basically saying what we have done so far isn't working. 
We're only getting more and more pickled in fear and anxiety every year. And so we've got to make a fundamental shift. And so I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I, I don't have a PhD. If they gave PhDs for Zen practice, I'd have two. But <laughs> yes. So, you know, for somebody like me, who's a former extreme athlete to come on and into this world, this huge world where everybody has an opinion and say, here's a completely new perspective that you've never considered before. You know, not just mere accepting a fear, but honoring it, becoming intimate with it, um, using it as a tool for creativity and liveness. Like that's in the first interview I did, the, they hung up on me. You know, I've had mentors write me, you know, especially ones that have been teaching the, the conquering of fear their whole lives and say, I absolutely will not write a blurb for your book. You know, I'm not willing to support what you're doing. And so I feel like I'm on a stage by myself and uh, like having to hold my ground and it's, it's scary. Wow. Well, thank you for being so authentic. The entire conversation we've had. This has been almost a coffee shop conversation. I've completely forgotten about the people in the room. You <laughs> dropped me into my body. So thank you so much for what you do in this wellness world. Where can people learn more about your work and pick up the book? I'm obviously going to order the book tonight. So we'll link that in our show notes as well. But it's kristenulmer.com uh, is where people can learn more about your book. It is hashtag shift into fear. But tell us where else they can learn more about you, what you're up to for 2017, 2018. I offer online courses at home, like courses, webinars, live events. I do ski camps. I work with athletes. I work with businesses. Like if somebody out there has an issue with any of the problems I've outlined, um, especially uh, chronic anxiety and fear, give me a call. If you're sick of doing the same thing over and over again and, and you're not getting the results you want, I'm an alternative resource doing something that you've never considered before. Many mic drop moments in our conversation. Kristen Ulmer, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Hey, my friend, thank you for hanging out and growing with me on today's show. Remember to hit subscribe, share this podcast with somebody you care about that you think gets to hear this message. Support the show by leaving a five-star review for the podcast right now, simply by tapping on your show artwork on your iPhone. Click that purple link that says review this podcast. It helps the show reach more conscious and smart people like you, and your voice will attract more world-class guests that want to come on the show. So let them hear your voice. For all the downloads, videos, links, and free resources mentioned on the episode, go to wellnessforce.com forward slash radio. And while you're at my house on the web, join us in the Wellness Force community newsletter on that page and I'll send you four free guides around staying healthy with your eating, moving, and sleeping while you travel. Join a group of people like you over at the Wellness Force community Facebook page. This is where we talk about the things that really matter. We share our wins, inspirations, struggles, and a lot more. So join us, tap on the show artwork on your phone and hit that purple link that says join the Facebook group and I will welcome you at the door. Okay, now you get to go out into your world and create impact for the people that you care about. So until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.